0: Thank God for the Holy Spirit because without Him we can't do anything right. Thank God for the presence of God. Thank God for His sweet presence that we feel each time we gather together with God's wonderful people. Are we blessed We certainly are. Every child of God in this world is blessed. Amen? Yes, amen. (laughs) Yeah, amen. I want to read just one text in John the 16th chapter. I'm going to hook on to what I started last week. In John the 16th chapter, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure, and here he had been with them for three years, and they've seen him walk on water, they've seen him open up blind eyes, they've seen him heal the sick. They witnessed him after he resurrected from the dead. And Jesus Christ was everything to these people. And now it was time for Jesus to ascend back up into heaven. And when Jesus broke the news and they finally comprehended what his plan was, and was about ready to leave and started to understand that, they were filled with confusion and fear. And many things began to overwhelm them because they were aware of the kind of world that they were living in. And they were aware of all the opposition and all the enemies that Jesus had made when all he wanted to do was save people and help people and heal people. And so they were in a quandary. They didn't know what in the world are we going to do. And so Jesus, in John's Gospels and other places, is trying to prepare them for his exodus. And so we pick part of all of that up in John, the 16th chapter, and Jesus says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And oh, what a truth it was. He said, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come to you, and you, and you, and you, and me. And when he has come to all of us, he will convict, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. There are many challenges and struggles facing the church today, perhaps hundreds of them. Forty years ago, the gospel was a lot easier to communicate, but because iniquity is abounding throughout the world, including America, We are becoming and have become, in many ways, a post-Christian culture. In other words, we have upcoming generations who are losing interest in the things of God. They're losing interest in worshiping God. They're losing interest in serving God. And the statistics are climbing all the time that America is becoming more of a secular country than a spiritual country. And so we're up against things today like we've never been before. In other words, let me give you just a thought. You can see it every day. You can feel it every day. In other words, post-Christianity is the situation in which Christianity is no longer the dominant civil religion of its society, because that society keeps reaching for lifestyles and values and carnal entertainments and worldly philosophies that are earthly, sensual, and devilish. While at the same time, they're jettisoning overboard all their principles and spiritual values. No more prayer, no more Bible, no more voicing your own opinion, no more hate speech coming out of the mouths of Christianity. There is an agenda going on and it is turning America into a post-Christian nation. That means for you and I, the battle is going to get more difficult. It's going to become more heated. And we are in what the Bible calls Armageddon. It's a spiritual warfare that we're up against today right against wrong, light against darkness, good against evil. And the battle is nearing closer to us. Every day. How in the world are we going to overcome it? That's right. Today, we see it. With all the political polarization, those poor people who put more of their identity into their liberal politics instead of the word of God may very well be lost. Our children are under attack like they've never been. Our youth are under attack. Our academia world has been taken over. Leaderships have been taken over by Satan himself. And we're up against it in so many ways. Today, the church is becoming more influenced by the world than the world is influencing the church. And it is an undeniable fact that while the majority of people in our culture profess to be Christians, the spiritual climate in our cities throughout America are deteriorating and becoming less spiritual compromise with the world's standards and walking in the footsteps of the world is becoming blatantly obvious. You can see the trends. You can see all the habits. You can see everything that's going on in our world. Look at, have you noticed how quickly the world's trends, fashion styles, are being adopted by our youth all the way up to our grandmothers. We've never seen so many abnormal things, so bizarre things. What's going on? The world is getting the edge and the upper hand on those who do not know God. And that pressure is falling on you and falling on me and falling on our parents, and falling on our leaders. And without God, without God, there's no way that we'll survive. There's no way that we're going to make it. Then Jesus steps into the arena and says to all of us, without me, you can do nothing. Amen? Thank God. Perhaps we all need to reread 2 Corinthians 7.1 and examine our own souls. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, Paul says, from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit and let us keep aiming at perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Another challenge before our churches is the biblical illiteracy and the widespread ignorance in the basic elements of Christian character, ethics, and morality. For example, immoral behavior among Christians has become common, substance abuse, Drinking, smoking, domestic abuse, greediness, cheating, pornography, promiscuity, cursing, lying. Throw in the mix the unseen feelings of jealousy, envy, hatred, lust, greed, anger, and vengeance. They're all common now in the ranks of professing Christianity. And our pulpits are convincing people. I sin, you sin, we all sin. And saints are given up. Another challenge that too many churches today are losing is they have become silenced in their pulpits. Look at the people all over America, millions and millions and millions of them. They don't dare speak up. They don't dare say a thing about the woke generation. They don't dare say anything about all the gender scrambling. They're shaking in their shoes And now the pulpits and preachers and a lot of churches are breaking down and are afraid to declare, thus saith the Lord. And I just want to paint the picture a little bit and then bring you the wonderful closing. We are up against it. And without him, we can do nothing. And when the church goes silent, bad things begin to happen. The church no longer becomes the light of the world. And darkness starts to move in. Darkness Starts to get closer. What do you think makes people say in high places, I don't know what a woman's purpose is. I don't know the difference between a woman and a man. It's darkness. Take God out and darkness comes. Put garbage into your minds and garbage comes out of your minds. And when the bride of Christ, that's us. And when the bride of Christ goes soft on the world, she's perceived as courting the world. And no longer look at the church as being married to Christ. The church in a lot of people's eyes is nothing more than the church running around with the world. John saw it 2,000 years ago. 1 John 2.15, right? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anybody loves Uh, The world, the love of the Father, is not in them. It would help us to understand throughout the gospel dispensation, now going 2,000 plus years, and we need to get a hold of this truth. The church since its inception has always been in crisis. From the moment that Jesus Christ was born, the Son of God was in crisis. Herod was looking for him. Everybody was hunting for him. The enemies were mounting up against him and they couldn't wait to kill him and they finally did. The church is always going to be in crisis. But it also has been stable throughout every generation. Did not Jesus say, upon this rock? What rock? Right here. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, thank God we're going to be in crisis The the entire part uh, of our lives. Every generation. Christianity is going to be in a crisis. But at the same time. Jesus is building a church. That the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Glory be to God. The point I want to make. The church is always going to be in a crisis till Jesus returns. And if we do not discern that our battles and difficulties are par for the course, we will be tempted to give up. Many preachers, and this disturbs me, many preachers want to soft sell the gospel in order to get us to enlist their newcomers. In order to grow their churches. And everybody wants to grow a church But all the New Testament writers will tell you it's a holy war and every Christian must put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to withstand in the evil day. Every generation ends up being in an evil day because the church from the time it's born until the time that Jesus comes back is going to be in a crisis. But cheer up. Jesus said, I'll build one that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? So that's the picture. That's the norm for Christianity ever since Jesus came into this world. It's like a Trojan. Not not only do we fight uh, tyrannical, uh, tyrannical regimes and oppressive governments, we fight the spiritual forces of evil And add to that the proclivities, the urges, the desires of our flesh, which lie in wait to reach for the forbidden fruit, which can only be tamed. The flesh can only be tamed by the Holy Spirit of God. And I thought, what can I do to make this more of a vivid picture? And this is the thought that came to me. It's like a Trojan horse has been rolled into our lives and is just waiting for the darkness of night to bust out within our lives with sin everywhere. Jeremiah 17 and 9, he put his finger right on the culprit. The heart, my heart, your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God can know it. How can you overcome it? God said, I'll send my spirit. And ye shall be overcomers no matter what the odds are against you. No one knows it better than our Lord. Thus he sent the Holy Ghost. What is this monstrous challenge all Christians today must guard against, much less fight against? It's the flesh's desire to rise up against the claims of biblical authority. It's the flesh's desire to want its self-defined freedoms, even while they are breaking the law of God. What is going on? What are you seeing more and more vividly in our culture? There is an awful spirit that's out among our country, in our streets, in our schools, in our government, in our every place, and it's called individualism, which demands its rights all the time. It's an expression of an identity that has lost God. When you put yourself or try to climb up on God's throne and you assert that you're going to live your life your way, and you're going to be free your way, and it's your body, and it's your life, and you're going to live it this way always. All you're doing is bucking up against a holy God, and hell, it can't wait to engulf those kind of mentalities. And they're being deceived by the millions out there. And very few preachers preachers are standing up and telling it like it really is. And even their congregations don't want to hear it. I thank God for you. The human tendency is to love itself, and always look to the arm of the flesh when God's word says you've got to deny yourself and look up. So many are being deceived today because the world has formed assumptions about freedom and happiness, which are nothing but a bunch of lies, and millions and millions of souls one day may fall into hell forever. Give us an example, Pastor. What about the, lo- the abortion lovers? What about those that are mad, angry, because they can't kill their babies? What kind of a mentality is that? What kind of a spirit is that? And you know all the other that's going on. Humanity is falling apart because they have rejected God. God. And they are without order. And when you're without order, you're without direction. And they've become void. Their hearts are empty and without purpose. And they are also in gross darkness. Let's bring it down to our level. We're all lacking in degrees of divinity and biblical academics. We don't know Hebrew and Greek or understand all the Christian apologetics. Most Christians don't even know their Bibles as they should. And we all lament that we need to be more educated and equipped to survive the assaults of the world. We feel we're not well-spoken enough to communicate with the lost world. That's why our Father in heaven put into his word, the wayfaring man, though a fool, shall not err therein. Probably most Christians are humble, they're meek, they're plain people. They may not be on the level intellectually, as a lot of the people in the world. They don't scheme and connive and come up with evil, evil plans and agendas to destroy the happiness of people. And the point I'm making is the world is so much stronger and so much greater in number than the saints are. We know we're outnumbered. And sometimes you can feel the darkness. And sometimes the fear rushes upon you. And it almost overwhelms you. And many people in our country, good people, humble people, Christian people, they can feel it. They can see it. They can taste it. And surviving in this world looks to them like a Goliath. Parents, they don't know what to do. They're afraid today. They don't know what to do. With their kids sometimes. They don't know how to protect their kids. They put them in a school and the school corrupts them. They put them in a college and the college corrupts them. They go to some churches and the churches corrupt them. It's overwhelming. It's frightening. Parents don't know whether to teach them at home anymore, put them in a school, a Christian school. They don't know whether to just put them in their bedroom and cover them up with a blanket and hide them from the world. And that is why God in his wisdom sent the Holy Spirit to equal the playing field, to equal the battlefield. We can have a bunch of degrees and achievements, wealth, And worldly power. But we are not ready for Christian service. Until we experience the receiving of the Holy Ghost with power. We can't win without God's plan in our hearts and in our lives. And in our marriages and in our homes and in our churches. I'm telling you it's God's way or no way. But thank God we got a way out. Thank God, John said, when he is come, he will convict and reprove the world of sin. He will help you to overcome the world. Thank God for that. There is no seminary on earth that can even come close and be compared with having the Holy Ghost of God within our lives. The greatest seminary on earth, people don't want to believe it, but it's true. I in part witnessed it myself when I left my home 50-something, 60 years ago, I don't know what it was, and was sent to Korea when I came home on leave, I was lost. But when I left my home for Korea, I was saved. And I didn't know a thing about anything. But I spent 18 months in a foreign country, sitting at the feet of Jesus Sherm I heard you sing I heard brother Cummins sing I heard the choir sing I heard the saints sing I heard the preachers preach brother Barber preaching brother Wilson preaching this one and that one preaching and I sat there and I couldn't get enough of it it thrilled me like nothing else ever thrilled me in my life, only though I'd been li- alive 20-something years. Someone brought this up the other day. Uh, you did, Troy. Sunday school teachers, let me just throw this out for what it's worth if the kids today are like I was. There was Bible studies going on for those 18 months. There were missionaries. There were smart people. And I had a desire to get into those Bible studies. And this is the uh, God's honest truth. I sat there shaking in my shoes that one of those leaders was going to ask me to pray. Don't ask your newcomers to pray. Don't put that burden on the kids. Most people don't want to pray publicly. Just leave them with God. He'll take care of it. Because here's the thing that happens. I was tempted not to go to Sunday school. I was tempted not to go to the, to, to, to the small groups. Because I was afraid I was going to get embarrassed. And if you knew me, you, you would have felt just like me. But in time, the Holy Ghost begin to show me some things. And then I got a little bolder and a little bolder. And God helped me in ways, church, that I can't even convey to you. And if somebody told me way back then, you're going to be a preacher, I would have laughed in his face. I still can't believe it half the time. The greatest seminary on earth is to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. And if you do that, you will have the best curriculum in the world, the Word of God. And you will have the best teacher in the world, the Holy Spirit. And there ain't no college that can come close. I'm not, I'm not putting a premium on ignorance. I'm just letting you know what's out there academically, intellectually now. It's all been contaminated. And you know what else is good? On top of all that, We don't have to have a penny to enter its classroom. We all can come without money and without price. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters without money or without price. God has an abundance of wealth, spiritual wealth, wisdom, understanding to give to every one of us. I'm dragging this out because I'm going to quit in five minutes. I'm going to keep my promise. You know when I told you too many preachers when they preach too long and have a lot of longevity they lose their effect. People today I'm going to sit for an hour and a half and listen to a sermon. I'll never forget one day this Baptist preacher, somebody's loved one from this congregation died, terrible, unfortunate. And this preacher, it was in the middle of the winter And we went to the committal. And this preacher stood up. And our teeth were chattering, honest to God's truth. I stood there, everybody else around. And that preacher, when he had the platform, he preached and he preached and he preached and he talked about repentance, and he talked about getting saved. He he preached for 20 minutes, and I'm telling you, everybody there hated him. Sometimes we lose our audience because we don't have enough wisdom. Now, if the Holy Ghost is all over you, and you're teaching and you're preaching, you go with it. But normally speaking, People are not going to sit for two hours because they no longer have the attention span. Why? Because they sit there in front of a TV and it's flash, 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 flash. A little booty here. A little flesh there. A little skin there. A little advertisement there. and, And you're becoming crazy. Facebook. Twitter. TikTok owned by the Chinese being allowed to buy up thousands and thousands of acres right next to our military bases and we're letting them get away with it. And we stopped all the fossil fuels. That's because we have lost our way. And the day will come when they're going to put the heat on us. And how many of you are going to run? Or are you going to stick together and stand up for what's right? Yes. Amen. One will to the That's right. And one man with God. And there's more than one man here and one woman. Is in majority the things that are going on in this country, all the trends, all the fads. And just look at them. You see them in the marketplace. You see them in the street. You see them here. You see him, you see him everywhere. And their appearance is becoming more and more and more bizarre. Kids, I want to tell you something. Don't fall for it. Listen to me. Don't fall for it. You don't have to color your hair pink and yellow and green and purple. Don't fall for it. It's more than just a fad. It's more than just a trend. The devil is behind it to get control of your minds. Laugh now, but you're going to cry later. Brother Tony's telling you the truth. Because I was in that net. But God saved me just in time. I thought I was Marlon Brando. I got me the engineer boots. I didn't have the money, my mother didn't have the money to buy me a leather jacket, so I had the pleather, you know, the shiny stuff. Got me a choke chain. Had my boots, two sizes too big. Come on the playground. Got my hair all slicked. I had it back then. (laughs) Yes, sir, I'm telling you the truth. I started to go down paths that would have made me crazy, much less stupid. And I'd be swinging the chain and walking, coming out and all the girls in the hallways and everything. And I thought, uh, ooh-ah, 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 kitty, here come the boy from New York City. And I was a blooming jerk. I want to say other things, but I can't do it. I was an idiot. The world will make, make an example of you. I'm not saying it's sin, but I am saying it's the wrong direction. And you'll pay for it. And you too, Mom. And you too, Grandma. Amen? Am I telling it straight? Go in the Walmart. Go anywhere. Summertime. My God, what sights. And how in the world do you dare wear a miniskirt when you're way too big? Nobody wants to look at that. And then these old guys, they got the rings all over. They got the piercings. It's the wrong road, church. And the devil, he's just waiting for you to fall for it. He can take advantage of you like he almost took advantage of me. The things I started to get into would have destroyed my life. But he rescued me just in time. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful he turned my little ship around. When I talk of this ministry of the Holy Ghost, I don't mean we're going to be walking encyclopedias or we're going to have the answers to all the deep mysteries of life. But I do mean, if we with daily regularity will read our Bibles, pray, worship God, and walk in the Spirit, we will be unstoppable and we will be untouchable and we will be unmovable, and all the devil can do to us is just nothing. Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will give to us a grasp of discernment and spiritual revelations, an amazing understanding of God's Word that will come alive in our hearts, minds, with an amazing clarity, like we've never seen before. If you let God have his way in your life, if I let God have his way in my life, we will see more glory, we will see greater things, and it'll just blow our minds what God can do. And it will set us apart. And that's critical. You hang around with Jesus, it will set us apart. When Jesus prayed in the 17th chapter, his high priestly prayer, he said, Father, sanctify them with the truth. Thy word is truth. Keep setting them further and further and further away from the darkness of this old world. Set us further and further apart from the world. And here's the good part and more and more like Christ in character, love, and ability to communicate efficiently with the lost around us. There is no better evangelist in the world than the Holy Spirit. Leonard Ravenwell said it best. What has hell to fear? other than a God-anointed, prayer-powered church. I'm closing. I did it. I beat the clock. Some of you are saying, but you're not done yet, preacher. We know you got the spirit of continuation. And you got the spirit of a big mouth. How are we going to break through? We're coming upon a new year. How are we going to go forth conquering and to conquer? How are we going to be able to overcome the myriad of new enemies? and new devices that are all gauged to destroy us. How are we going to break through the enemy's lines? The solution is right in our text. And when he is come to you and to me, he will, through us, reprove, convince the world that they're wrong, that they're sinning. How are we going to convince people that are angry and aggressive and individualistic and they're marching in our streets and they're not even dressed right. They don't even talk right. Carrying vulgar signs. Trying to put it right into your face. But more importantly, they're throwing it up into God's face. How are you going to break those stubborn wills and break those hard hearts when he is come? And when he comes through me and he comes through you and he comes through our music and he comes through our Sunday school and he comes through our preaching and he comes through our witnessing, the Holy Ghost can break down the hardest hearts. Sister Holland's said, just come to me. You wrote me a beautiful letter on pastor appreciation. How old are you? 85, when she sent me that letter, I ought to read it to you someday. It made me cry. I said, how in the world can an old lady like that? I'm just being honest. I'm reading it. And I said, how in the world can this woman... Be such a literary master. And you wrote me a letter, and you got a way of expressing yourself like I ain't never seen before. Where do you think she got that ability? The ghost, the holy ghost. Amen. I'm closing with this. When Jesus our Lord was crucified and went up to heaven, that's why he said, it's expedient for you that I go away because when I go up, God's going to send something down and ye shall receive power to be witnesses unto the uttermost parts of the earth. i got to get out of here so God can get down here. And the Spirit came down on Pentecost, and the Spirit filled men and women and went out everywhere preaching the gospel. Think of it. Twelve men, twelve common men, 12 men without any degrees, 12 men without any college learning, 12 men without any monetary resources, 12 men without any social prestige, 12 men without any government backing, 12 humble, plain, poor, and unlikely men who would not have been voted to most likely succeed. They went forth preaching about this Jesus who was among his own peers considered a blaspheming false messiah, who was publicly uh, reproached and disgraced as an executed felon. These 12 ragtag friends of Jesus went out against all the might and power of imperial Rome and the religious elite of the day who hated them. These 12 men who outsmarted the intellectuality of the Greeks and the confounded resources, sorcerers and fortune tellers. Their task seemed overwhelming, impossible. And yet after a couple of decades preaching the everlasting gospel, it was said about those 12 men, they have turned the world upside down. How did they do it? This is how they did it. And this is how we are going to do it. When he is come, ye shall be filled with power and shall go out to witness and convince people and convict people of their need of God. When we hear a scripture like this, the devil wants you to believe those things. Casey, you can come. Brenda, you can come. The devil wants us to believe those things the disciples did. Are long ways removed from us. Why do you think God put such astounding miracles in the Word of God? It's almost hard to believe today. Moses lifts up his rod and the seas part, and they go through on dry ground. Jesus walks on water. One prophet overcomes an entire nation. Assorted armies are attacking Jehoshaphat, jumping Jehoshaphat, and they're coming and they're just just miles away. And he goes to God and he says, God, what wilt thou have me to do? I am nothing against this so great a company. And they are coming. Lord, what can I do? And the Holy Spirit said, get you a choir and go out and face them and let your choir just start singing. And the saints started singing and all of a sudden they were so confounded and so confused. Those seven armies that outnumbered them like the sands of the seashore, they all started to kill one another and they just kept singing. And then they went And they took all the booty. Oh, they carried the gold and the silver and everything so they can continue to prosper in their journey in the wilderness and beyond. What a mighty God we serve. The one thing you have, you can share with them every time. And that is your testimony. Testimony. All you need to say, look, one day I was blind, but now I see. One day I was lost, but now I'm found. When we hear scriptures like this, all these miracles that took place in the Old and the New Testament, the devil wants you to believe you'll never even come close. The devil never told a bigger lie. If we can learn to put the Holy Spirit first in our lives and become effectual, fervent prayer warriors, we will overcome the world. The Holy Spirit. Listen when I tell you. The Holy Spirit. I mentioned this to you last week. The Holy Spirit of God can't wait to get a hold of you and get a hold of me. Can't wait to get into the hearts of young people. Can't wait to get into the hearts of married people. Can't wait to get into the heart of old people. Just can't wait to get in humanity. Because he will make the difference. And when he comes, he'll give you boldness. Boldness. They were all in the upper room. They were shaking in their shoes. But Jesus said, tarry, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. And when the power fell on them on the day of Pentecost, they went out into the streets. And miraculous things happened. And 2,000 got saved here and 3,000 got saved there. So find some place today before the day gets away from you and before this sermon becomes old and stale in your mind find some place where you can get alone with God and say to God Lord I want you to catch me give me more of this power. Not for my own use, but for your glory. Give me more wisdom. Give me more love. Give me more character so my life can make a difference in the hearts and lives of those who are in such darkness around me. That's my prayer for you when you leave this service. And that's my prayer for you when we start to sing. Ask God right in your pew Lord, I want more. I've got a lot more room in my life for more, for more of your power, more of your wisdom. But it's going to take guts to say yes to the Lord. Lord, I want to do more for you in 23. I want to see my kids. I want to see their hearts, their minds, their thinking, their love for the world. I want to see it change. I want them to see that God is greater than anything in the world the world is offering them. God, I want that. I'm a parent. I want that. I'm a grandmother. I want that. I'm a Christian. I want that. So as Casey leads us, Would you like to stand? And maybe some of you want to pray here instead of somewhere else this afternoon. But I pray God will create a hunger and thirst in your life for more, more about Jesus would I know. God bless you as we sing.
1: Page 350 in your big books page number 350. <clears throat> God's way is best if human wisdom A fair way may seem to show Tis only that our earth dim vision The truth can never clearly know God's way is best. I will not murmur, although the end I may not see. Where he leads, I'll meekly follow God's way is best is best for me. Listen, listen. Had I the choosing of my pathway, in blindness I should go astray and wander far away in dark Land of endless day God's way is best I will not murmur me and I may not pray with these folks where 'er he leads I'll meekly follow God's way. Is best is best for me. Sing it, sing it, brother. Hey, you wanna be a better church? It's true, I will not wanna question, be a better church next year? Through
0: wanna be a better Christian next year? Go, wanna win more souls
1: next year? I should pass when he is come.
0: Maybe I need to word it this way. When he is allowed to enter, it'll happen. God's way
1: is best, I will not murmur. Although the end I may not see. where 'er he leads, I'll meekly follow. God's way best is best for me. One more verse, brother,
0: or chorus, whatever you God's have.
1: God's way is best, heart, cease thy that. struggling to see and know and understand. Forsake thy fears and doubts, but trusting submit thyself into his hand, God's way is best, will not murmur, although the end I may not see, where'er he leads I'll meekly follow, God's way is best is best for me
0: church we're only going to get and we're only going to have when it comes to the resources of God we're only going to get what we want i don't know about you but when i see what's happening To our youth, our infants, our homes, our churches, our families, every institution has been scullied. The hand of darkness is on every institution. And our prayer ought to be, Lord, I need more. I need more of you. I need more of him. So we can make a difference. Because it's obvious. Jesus is at the door. His patience is not going to last much longer. Especially. Especially when we offend. His littlest ones. I don't know about you, but I hope you're like me. And I believe you are. We want more, church. Not selfishly, but for God's glory, we want more. So we can see hearts and lives changed for God in eternity. Father we thank you for your help this morning we thank you for your gospel the everlasting gospel we thank you for a people that are so willing and anxious to hear it and to want to believe it and more importantly want to live it God we pray that you'll help every one of us in this building right now to open our hearts just a little more and to make a little more room for the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, we know that when you come, you will give us the power to become greater witnesses. Our world needs light our world needs the salt of the earth. Lord, the only institution on the face of the globe that you are ordained to work through is your people. Help us to be more your people. We bring Brother Larry to Lord he needs a touch in his body he wants to be anointed oh God and so we anoint him your word says if any are sick among you call the elders anoint him with oil and pray the prayer of faith Lord increase our faith not a blind, unreasonable, wild faith, but a sensible faith, a faith that at times is still and looks for God and listens for God. Lord, bless this church this morning. Bless every home, marriage, every family that's represented. And bless brother larry he needs help he needs help in his body thank you father thank you for visiting us this morning and give us ears to hear what the spirit saith and as we go o oh god let us go allowing you to have more of us in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.